Welcome to Hang Your Hat. I'm Amy, and this is episode 27, On the Road Again. This time of year starts the travel season here in the U.S. It's just about time for spring break, Easter's coming up soon, and the summer holidays will follow soon after. On today's show, I have a special guest that has traveled all around the world and is going to give us some great travel tips to make our next big trip the best one ever. So grab a pen and paper and start your travel checklist while you listen to today's episode of Hang Your Hat. Today I have a special guest on the show. It's my good friend, Dr. Aaron Davis, who also happens to be one of the most well-traveled people I have ever met. Now, Aaron, before we get started today, I want you to kind of say hi and introduce yourself and tell us about why you travel as much as you do. Sure. Uh, thank you for having me on. Um, so my name is Aaron Davis. I'm a, a family doctor by training, and um, I, uh, I travel a lot for a couple of reasons. One is because I like it, I think like most people who travel quite a bit. Um, and then the other reason I, I do travel somewhat for work. Um, I'm in Southeast Asia and China uh, specifically quite often for a, um, a program I help run there that's an educational program for physicians in China. Um, so I, uh, I spend a lot of time on airplanes and, um, you know, both for fun and for work. So Now, I know you've been to a lot of different places around the world. Is there any one particular place that has been your absolute favorite? Uh, so my very favorite place uh, to go, and I've only been once, is is Japan. Um, and I just did kind of a, a week there. But it's uh, by far my favorite place just because of the culture. And uh, I they're just very good at fun and comfort and interesting things. And so Japan's my, my favorite place I've been to. Is there anything there that you would recommend our listeners go to if they ever get the chance to travel to Japan one day? Yeah, I think um, I mean, it depends on what people want out of it. I mean, you can see a lot just by going to, to Tokyo and to go to um, Kyoto. So if people want to see kind of the um, more of the traditional culture, I think Kyoto is a good place to go because you'll see, you know, lots of temples and you'll see... Um, you know, women in traditional kimono. And if you go to Tokyo, you'll see, um, you'll still see temples and you'll see traditional things, but you'll get <clears throat> more of a modern flavor with, you know, all of the anime and all the, you know, the exciting uh, cat cafes and owl cafes and that sort of thing. So um, I think people could literally just walk around Tokyo or Kyoto and, you know, find a million things to do in no time. So they're pretty, pretty easy places to travel and everybody's extremely friendly. So it's easy to get around. Now, I have heard that the train system there is really fantastic and does have a lot of um, signage and things in English, so it is very easy for American travelers to travel to Japan. Did you find that that was the case? Yeah, absolutely. And and honestly, most places outside of the United States uh, that are, you know, that have generally pretty large populations, they have a good train system. Um, and even places like Beijing, I've been able to easily get around in their subway systems. So Japan has everything. It's very clean and everything's very uh, well marked and it feels very safe. So that system's easy to get around in. But I feel like if people went to Paris or they went to Beijing or they went, you know, any of these other places, they could get around a major metropolitan area uh, 
relatively uh, pain-free just by using the, the transit systems, mostly the trains. I mean, but once you start getting on buses, you're going to get in trouble, but trains. Now, you've taken a lot of fairly long-term trips to some of these areas. What's the longest trip you've done? Uh, the longest, I mean, technically trip, uh, I guess the longest time I've spent continuously outside the United States was um, I worked on a, a, a for better better terms, a, a, a ship, uh, a tall ship, um, if people think of just like a three-masted sailboat. Um, I worked on one of those in the South Pacific, uh, in the Cook Islands, and I was there for uh, three or four months. And just before that, I had been in China and then Australia. And it, it just happened to, to be a long set of travel. So I was out of the country for the better part of half of a year. Now, how do you pack for a trip of that kind of length with so many different places you're going to be and environments you're going to be in? I have the tendency to pack kind of everything I think I might need, but on a trip of that length, there's really no way you could do that. So what do you do? Right. So, um, and I like reading, you know, on the advertisements for, for different backpacks or for different, uh, different luggage systems that this is good for a, for a two day, you know, weekend trip, or this is good for a, you know, for a week long trip. And I'm not quite sure where they get those numbers from. Um, so you know, I, I come from a background of, of lightweight backpacking. Um, I have a, a great hiking partner and we've done, you know, lengths of the Appalachian Trail and, and that sort of thing. And um, I've done a lot of long distance hiking by myself. And so for me, I always start from like a weight perspective and I've really pared down um, what is, I guess, necessary and also what makes me comfortable, whether that trip is a, a week long or if it's a weekend long or if it's months long. Um, and so for, you know, for a trip like working out in the South Pacific, you know, I needed to bring certain types of equipment with me and I needed to, um, I was, I was working as a, um, as a medical officer on a ship. So I brought some supplies and that sort of thing. So I brought a little more for that trip, but generally for any trip of any length, I'm traveling with, uh, with one bag, one main bag and, uh, a smaller carry on that can, collapse and be stuffed into the larger bag if I need it to be. So when you find yourself on one of these trips and you end up not having something that you need, uh, what do you do? Do you just go out and buy whatever it is that you've forgotten or didn't bring? Um, well, you know, I don't feel like it comes up too often. Uh, you know, I, I did a month long trip, um, in, in Northern Spain, hiking the Camino de Santiago and, you know, I brought brought various things, and if I needed something like duct tape, I bought it at a you know at a store. Um, but generally, I haven't been in a position where I've needed too many things. Um, I've been doing this long enough where I know pretty much what I need to bring, um, and because it's become routine for me, I tend not to forget things, uh, and I tend to always grab the same items. Now, is there something that you found has been especially useful when traveling that you? You know, may not be the most obvious thing to bring, but that you feel like is a kind of a necessity on the on a long trip. Something that's a necessity, yeah. So uh, earplugs, I think, are very very important. Um, earplugs, and I I almost always travel with a face mask as well. Although I've started to change that a little bit. Um, 
but I, I like the uh, bringing a pair of blue Hero uh, earphones. Uh, the little earbuds, they're blue and they, um, they're they kind of an industrial strength. But if you want to get any sleep anywhere, and I've I've had to sleep a lot of places, including, you know, underneath benches in airports and, you know, if you're staying in hostels on a long hiking trip or uh, even if they're doing construction outside of a, a luxury hotel, uh, which I've had happen, you're pretty much going to need to get your sleep, especially when you're trying to reset your clock if you're changing time zones. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, that's definitely something that would hamper the enjoyment of your trip if you weren't able to get sleep while you were on it. Now, you've traveled a lot of different um, modes of transportation as well. You plane, car, train. When you're traveling by these different modes of transportation, does what you pack change or does your packing philosophy change at all? Not, no, not at all. And I mean, even if, um, you know, even not exotic travel, let's say I'm just taking a, a, a weekend trip near, you know, within, you know, 10 hours of my home, I'm not going to change really what I bring. Uh, the only thing that makes me change what I bring is um, weather. Sometimes, if the weather is going to be colder, I may bring more. Um, and this isn't even the case. Like, I may bring boots. So I took a trip to Tibet once, and I brought a, a pair of heavy-duty boots um, because we were going to be in more very, very, very remote and rustic areas and a lot of mountainous areas. So... Uh, that's one example of how the weather would affect things. And then, for instance, if I'm going someplace tropical, I like to um, I like to snorkel and I like to dive. So I have to make special room for, um, I have a set of compact fins that I like to bring and my own mask and snorkel. And I'm just particular with that set, particular set of gear. Um, I like that it fits me. I'm a, I'm a pretty big guy. Um, and I like that it, it's not junky equipment, which can really affect your trip if you're going, you know, like the Caribbean or the South Pacific or, you know, someplace like that. And so, um, and then if I was going to do like a specific, like a fly fishing trip or something, I would obviously bring that specific equipment. Do you have different kinds of suitcases that you bring depending on what kind of trip you're going on? Or is there one kind of master suitcase that works for pretty much everything <laughs> sure i think uh in my humble opinion i think that the patagonia um it's it's changed its name a couple of times but the general uh model is called the patagonia mlc uh and that mlc stands for maximum legal carry-on i know in the past couple of years they've they've added like a modifier to that name um but that's i think that's the most important uh bag that anybody can should consider um buying and the whole philosophy of my packing strategy and a lot of other people's packing strategies is you know you don't need to you don't need to bring several large suitcases to go on a trip someplace you really just need to bring you know several clever outfits that you can you know work around and i'm sure we'll we'll talk about that later but um you know you don't need to bring a ton of clothing you don't need to bring a lot of heavy equipment and you definitely don't need to check bags um, and so this particular bag, uh, I think, you know, checks all those boxes. Um, I've also exper experimented a little bit with the Osprey Farpoint 40, but I found that to be just a little, just a little bit too constricting as far as, as space goes. And I was cramming too much in, um, it changed my system too much. I've used the Patagonia MLC for years and years and years, and it's, it's never, ever let me down. So. 
No, I know the Patagonia MLC is a soft-sided bag because I actually have one myself. I'm not sure about the Osprey, but is there any difference to you as far as like protection goes for the soft-sided versus hard-sided bags? No, uh, you know, I think a soft-sided bag is the best way to go. And I know this uh, based on um, many episodes of me trying to punch my bag into the smaller and smaller overhead compartments uh, that the airlines are especially in the United States, are, are putting in. But when you're trying to um, force your bag into one of these little little spaces, you're going to be happy that it's soft-sided. Uh, I mean, generally, you're not bringing anything um, too too delicate that's going to get damaged, you know, if in a soft-sided bag. And then if you pack wisely, you know, even if I'm bringing just a few, like, delicate souvenirs home, say, from Japan, if I'm buying, some, like, a sake set, um, I am going to uh, pack that deep inside my bag where it's not going to get damaged by the soft-sided pouch so or the, the walls of the, of the bag. And if you're not checking, that would help as well because you don't have someone else jostling your bag who doesn't know that there's something delicate inside of it. Yeah, and and for not checking bag, I mean, I think it's just really critical not to check your bags for for a, a million reasons. And the number one reason is it's just faster. You know, you grab your bag, you pull it down, and you can walk immediately out of the airport while everybody else is sitting at the carousels waiting for their, you know, their luggage to come. And the second reason is, uh, and third reasons, the second reason is that you're not going to lose your luggage. Um, I pride myself on the fact that because I carry the MLC all the time. I've never had to even gate check my bag um, over, you know, hundreds of flights where I've watched other people had to gate check their bags uh, or, you know, check their bags when they first come in. And so there's no chance that I'm going to lose my luggage uh, and then delay a trip that might only be two or three days, you know, especially if you're going to some, you know, uh, you know, life goal bucket list destination. You don't want to get there and then find out that you're you're all the things you need are delayed, you know, and then, and, and you have to have additional transportation away from the airport that you land at. So for me, not checking the bag is very critical. I have noticed a lot of people get gate checked if they have the rolly wheels on their bag, because a lot of the overhead storage apartments don't um, really have enough room for those. So even though those are pretty convenient as far as walking through the airport, um, those don't seem like the most convenient way to go if you actually want to save some time and, and keep your bag with you. Right, right. And, you know, I don't, there's a lot of downsides to the, um, to the rollerboards. You know, when they have to put that frame into the bag and add those wheels on and that nice collapsible, you know, the, um, the, the handle, that's adding a lot of weight to your bag. And in addition, it's also taking away volume that you can pack things inside your bag. And, you know, people remember that I said I was a larger guy and I must be really strong and who cares if I'm walking along and carrying my bag. Well, let's say you're a smaller person, you know, you're a smaller person and, uh, you know, you have a tiny frame. You're not going to be packing bigger, heavy clothes like I am. So your bag is still going to weigh less and be proportionally comfortable as you carry it through the airport. So I don't think I don't think that having wheels and the, you know, the, the rollerboards, I don't think they're they're worth it because you you have a big trade-off and then there's a good chance that you're going to have to gate check. And I think it's probably important to note that the MLC that you were talking about earlier, the Patagonia bag, it does have backpack style shoulder straps. Yeah. So you're not just carrying it with one arm the whole time. It's actually pretty comfortable to walk with. 
Yeah, there's a lot of options with that bag. You know, it comes with a shoulder strap, so you can kind of carry it over the shoulder. I, I don't think that's a great idea for a couple of reasons. Um, one is because it's probably going to be, you know, it's going to be at least 10 or 15 pounds when you, when you, when you put stuff in it. Um, or, or not, I mean, it could be less, but, um, I don't use the shoulder strap and I, I only use the, the handles or the hall loops on it just to load it and pull it down. Um, but I, the other benefit of having it as a backpack strap is I, I rarely get a second look. Um, so I remember one of the first times that I was going to China and I was passing through LAX and the, um, for the Chinese airline that I was flying on, anything that looked like a suitcase, they were having people weigh it at the actual check-in desk. So when people were checking in before they'd even gone through security, they were having them weigh it. And they didn't look at my bag because it was, uh, it looked like a backpack. And the same thing for when you're coming on board and they're trying to decide who needs to gate check and who doesn't. When I wear it as a backpack, you know, they don't look at it. They're not thinking that it's, you know, that it's a carry-on suitcase. They're just thinking I have a backpack and I must have checked my other luggage. But it's still a sizable bag. It's still, you know, ample room for, it is, you know, long it trips. It is quite large, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, have you noticed a difference between, I mean, there's this kind of great debate as far as packing, whether or not you should fold your clothes or roll your <laughs> roll your clothes in order to yeah. kind of get the most in there and not, not wrinkle them and things like that. Yeah. Which one do you use and why do you use that method? I use uh, uh, all of the above. So, um, you know... I, so, you know, I'm using this bag and I'm using this system, not just for like fun trips, but I'm, you know, going on business trips too. And I, you know, I often have to speak at large conferences in China and, um, and other places. And so, you know, I bring formal wear, I bring a suit, I bring, you know, um, dress shirts and everything. So, um, I kind of use a packing cube system. Um, I, Eagle Creek has this kind of specter, specter cloth, really lightweight, um, there's there there's a packing cube system that they have and this is kind of a classic system they've had where it used to be made out of a denser canvas but once they switched it to this really lightweight like ripstop nylon i went ahead and invested in just a couple of the bags and so um for me for what works for me and what works for other people is totally different um i uh, i use a three system pouch system I use a very small bag, I use a medium-sized bag, and then I use one of these clothes envelopes. And I'll, I'll just start with that. So with the clothes envelope, um, basically it's, a, it's got a semi-rigid board inside of it, and you can actually take out this board and use it as a folding board, kind of like you'll see people at you know, the Gap and North Face that are folding the clothes for display. You fold your clothes into a specific size, and then you actually stack those into a um, a four-cornered envelope and it velcros shut and then the theory is that that holds your clothes um, wrinkle-free uh, in a nice neat way so when you get to your destination you can take it out and just put it on now it's not that perfect you still have to you know I tend to put clothes on a coat hanger and take a shower and let the steam kind of release any of the wrinkles but that's what I do for any of my dress shirts um, so generally I'll do that for um, dress shirts and then um, the way I usually travel for business is I just bring one suit, uh, and the suit, uh, I can wear, I, I, I tend to choose something that's like a little more modern style so that I can wear the jacket as a sports coat or as a suit. And then I use the pants, I use the slacks as dress pants for the week. Um, and I, I, I typically travel with either navy blue or charcoal. Um, and that way, you know, it's super versatile. 
uh, options for the suit. And then I take those slacks and I put those in uh, in that folder along with the dress shirt. So, you know, it might be two or three or four items in the envelope. Um, and then as far as like underwear and t-shirts go, those go in the tiny little, the littler bag. And I roll those, those get rolled. Um, and, uh, that's because who cares if your underwear is, uh, you know, wrinkled. And then, um, and those, those tend to be, uh, wool items. So I, I tend to like, uh, the technical hiking wool, uh, I like the brand Icebreakers, um, but other people uh, will use like Smart Wool or they'll use Patagonia. Um, I, I've noticed that Patagonia's wool stuff tends to fall apart, so I haven't been using that as much. Um, but you can get, you know, two or three uh, T-shirts and maybe four or five pairs of uh, like boxer briefs for a man into this little tiny pouch. And what I really love about these pouches is they have a compression zipper on them, so then they take up all that air and volume, and that's gone too. And then I have one last, uh, one last pouch and I'll bring, you know, in there I'll generally bring, um, a pair of, uh, like hiking pants, like a, like a polyester Nike, uh, like a, uh, just like a all-terrain pants, really lightweight, um, generally Patagonia. And then any other types of like maybe a polo shirt or two for me. Um, and that's, uh, that's about it. And those tend to be folded. It's a little bit, a little bit bigger. Um, so those tend to be like, uh, uh, three, like I fold them kind of in threes. So I, I kind of use the, uh, what's the girl with the magical, the magic of tidying up. Yeah. So I use the Con Marie method for the, for some of those items to, uh, to really pack them down, uh, folded well. So those yeah. are really good folding techniques, I should say. <laughs> yeah. And, and then that way I have like, I have more space, you know, I, I tend to travel with one pair of dress shoes, um, and uh, for business trips uh, and, the you know, a pair of flip flops, I think, are really just comfortable and useful to have, whether, you know, laying around your hotel or if you're going to the beach or whatever. So and then I have a pair of um, a pair of sneakers that I, I wear on the plane and also one pair of blue jeans that I wear on the plane, um, a comfortable shirt. And then typically a uh, I'll wear the, the jacket as a sports coat onto the plane, which also helps get you upgrades. So if you look presentable on the plane, they will often give you an upgrade. So. That's a very good tip to know uh, in case anybody's ever been in a plane that's been a little overbooked and first class is available. They will not let you on first class unless you look fairly decent. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's really important when you're in an airport to look like a human being. Uh, you know, if you look like you're a professional and you're polite to the, the people at the desk, I mean, that's 80 percent of it. And I've I mean, I have higher status with the air, you know, certain airlines now because I travel so much. But I mean, before when I would use that, that that attitude, I mean, it really, you know, I got to fly business in first class quite a few times just because, you know, I was polite and clean. Now, do you have any other specific tips for traveling in general that might be helpful? Tips in general, uh, always bring a bathing suit. So that's, uh, that's one of, that's one of Aaron Davis's, you know, uh, 10 commandments, like always bring a bathing suit. So a lot of people will get to, um, They'll get to someplace and they'll find out that there's a hot tub in the hotel. They might be at a convention or they might be, you know, part of a wedding party. And then everybody decides they're going to go have fun down at the at the pool or the hot tub. And then there's always one person who didn't bring a bathing suit. And I'm never quite sure why they didn't bring a bathing suit. Because if you're a woman, you know, it doesn't take up a lot of space to have your bathing suit in there. And for, for a man, uh, you know, it's a pair of shorts that you can use to work out. You know, you can use it for anything. So just, you know, a pair of liner shorts is a perfect bathing suit. 
Um, so that's one of my tips. Uh, another tip is, you know, your cell phone is your friend. Um, for many, many reasons. I mean, one of the reasons we can do such wonderful lightweight traveling now is because our phones have taken, you know, the place of a big giant camera. If you're going someplace fancy, uh, they've taken the place of uh, bringing 10 books with you. You know, you can use your, you can use your phone for a lot of things. And uh, um, for instance, uh, I use my phone often when I come back to the United States and I'm clearing customs. The United States Customs uh, Department has a, a, a mobile entry app that you can fill out as soon as you land and you don't have to fill out any paperwork and you get to go through a special line that and you just show your you just show your phone and it has a QR code on it. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can just kind of speed things up. Um, and another way I like to use my, my phone is, uh, I like to go on, uh, wiki travel. If I haven't been to a city or if I haven't been to a country before, or if I want to get a, um, just like a phrase book really quickly. And I'll save that, uh, either in notes on my iPhone or I'll save it in OneNote, or I'll save it in something like Instapaper. And that way I'll have it offline when I get to the place to use as a reference, um, I sometimes I'll buy Lonely Planet books, but in general, you know, you can get so much information from, you know, free websites and then have it available with you when you get there. I tend not to buy cell phone plans anywhere that I go. Um, and the reason I do that is because I just tend to use Wi-Fi when I get to where I am. And, uh, you know, you can use FaceTime audio to make a phone call. You can get all of your texts once you're on Wi-Fi. So I don't really have a need to use a self-service and pay, you know, very expensive prices when I'm traveling. So I use everything on Wi-Fi. Um, so I think, uh, I think that there's some ways to really maximize the use of your digital devices when you're traveling, um, especially a smartphone. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, do you ever worry about it running out of battery life? Uh, all the time. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, I use... I, I love using my, my phone as a camera, um, and I'm doing more, more videography lately. And so uh, battery life is always, you know, something I'm paying attention to. And there's so many options now for, for really good, you know, portable battery packs that you can bring. Um, it, I, I tend to be concerned about the battery of both my iPhone and my iPad. Um, I don't, I almost never travel with a, a laptop. And the reason I don't is because, uh, you know, laptops are very heavy. They're going to be like four pounds, three pounds, uh, whereas an iPad is a pound. Uh, and you can add a really nice keyboard to them. And the reason I like that is because an iPad is also a very large iPhone. And so if something happens with my iPhone, say the battery dies, um, I have a redundant system, whereas the iPad can act like my second iPhone. Um, and then I, I bring a battery pack that can charge my iPhone once or twice. Um, I mean, generally, there's not going to be some major disaster where you are uh, unable to charge your phone. I've one time I traveled with a solar system, uh, like a solar panel system, uh, specifically when I went to, on the ship because I didn't know what our what type of uh, power system we would have, and I didn't even need to use it then. So as as many remote locations as I've been, and hiking in the wilds of Scotland and all sorts of things like that. Um, generally a smaller battery is fine, you know, cause again, you don't want to add a lot of weight to your system. They do have these battery packs now that are just like, I mean, they look about the size of a, of an iPhone that have the solar power generator on the side of that. 
Would that would that kind of thing be a little too big? Do you think? No, I actually I traveled with one of those forever. Uh, there's I haven't found one that's a name brand version. There's a lot of uh, we'll call them just mass manufactured options available on Amazon, and I liked it because it was a a pretty respectable size for the battery. You know, I don't remember how many how many you know milliamps or whatever it was. But um, I like the fact that in a real emergency, I could always use the sun to charge it up. It never came up. So that was point one. I always recharged the battery by plugging it into a wall. Um, and it lasted me for two years, three years, and I, I recommended it to a lot of people. And then one day I put it on my dashboard in my car uh, because I figured I'd get some free free charging out of it. And I came back in 20 minutes and it had exploded. So I... Uh, I no longer use use that particular one. I mean, I think it's just going to function exactly like a uh, exactly like a regular battery pack if you get the solar version. I like uh, the brand uh, Anker or Anker. Um, they they spend a lot of time thinking about making these little battery packs, and they tend to make very. Um, they have a couple of very lightweight, compact ones that charge you know your phone several times. Uh, so and those are really easy to find on Amazon. It's like A N K E R. Well, you have another trip coming up fairly soon. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? What do you have planned and how are you planning to take everything along? Sure. Uh this is a this is a a more difficult trip to plan the logistics on. So, um I have uh I'm fortunate enough to have a a good amount of time off. Uh, and so, um, I'm going to be leaving here in the next few days, uh, and I'm going to be flying out to, uh, Paris. Um, and then I'm going to basically buy the cheapest, uh, bike I can find, get it fixed up at a bike shop and then, uh, ride that bike down to Rome. Um, and then the reason it's a, it's a difficult trip is because I have to go immediately to China after that, which is a business trip. Um, and so it took me a long time to kind of figure out those logistics and basically I'm going to bring, uh, bring the, my MLC with all of my, you know, my normal clothes in it. Uh, and then I'm going to have a very, very small lightweight backpack. I'm, I'm doing kind of a masochistic trip where I'm not even going to use, you know, use panniers or anything like that. I'm just going to use a very small backpack and ride on down, but it's two sets of, two sets of, a uh, trip equipment. And so I'm going to leave my bag in Paris with some friends. Fortunately, I know some some people that live there. And then I'll return from Rome uh, by train and uh, pick up my bag and then fly to fly to China out of there. But it should be an interesting, interesting trip. I think it'll be fun. So, Well, people can kind of keep track of your travels if they'd like to. You have a lot of your your travel and your photography from your trips both on Instagram and Twitter, and also on your own website. Um, your Twitter and Instagram profile is at uh, divinity9, and your website is hearthandseyes.com. Is there anything you'd like to let our listeners know about either of those or any of those before you go? No, I think it, um, I think it would be uh, fun to have more people following. That's always good. Um, you know, on my on my website, I'm not the best at updating the blog, but I try to talk about some of the stuff on there. You know, whether it's improving your sleep or just some easy things you can do to to travel a little bit easier. Um, and then, uh, you know, I used to I used to carry around a, a proper camera everywhere that I went, but 
the iPhone camera has just gotten so incredibly good uh, lately that I've just I've stopped bringing my camera with me and everything's uh, iPhone photography. So it's it's pretty interesting to see what you can do with just an iPhone. So that's my and photography. And I do have to say that your photography with the iPhone has not suffered at all. It looks great. Yeah. Well, we'll thank Tim Cook and the ghost of Steve Jobs. So they did a wonderful job. <laughs> Well, thank you for talking to me today, and I hope you have a wonderful time on your trip coming up. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was really great to be here, and, uh, and uh, thanks a lot. If you want to check out some of the cool gear Aaron mentioned in the show, I will have links to all of it in the show notes at hangyourhatpodcast.com. My motivation for today's show topic was a little selfish because I have some business travel coming up soon and wanted to get some of Aaron's awesome tips for my own needs. Unfortunately, my trip means that I will not be back in two weeks like normal, and you'll have to wait a little longer for the next show. If you'd like to keep up with me and my travels in the meantime, you can catch me on Twitter and Instagram where my username is Jerwerkin. You can also drop me a comment on hangerhatpodcast.com or you can email me at hangyourhatpodcast at gmail.com. Hang Your Hat Podcast has recently become a member of Patreon. If you'd like to help support the show, please consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com slash hangyourhat. When you become a Patreon subscriber, you gain access to our member-only Patreon feed, which will include additional information that didn't make it into the show, sneak peeks, and informal supplementary podcasts and blog posts. Recently, the very first vlog went up, where I talked about why I started the Hang Your Hat podcast. You should really check it out. If you're not just becoming a patron but would still like to support the show, please leave a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or just let a friend know about the show. And as always, thanks for listening. <laughs>